All right, let's get in God's word together today. We're in Matthew 24, and title of this sermon is The Last Days Tribulation. Tribulation. You know, like we did last week, just going easy on everybody this year so far. Title is Tribulation, so we're going to talk about that. We're going straight through the Gospel of Matthew for those of you who are new, and um, when you go straight through the Word, um, you get to some big, important subjects um, that people that don't go straight through the word wouldn't cover. And so we cover those in our church and it is healthy for us as believers, amen, to understand these things and to be equipped by our Lord Jesus. And so that is what we're doing today. Uh, We're talking end times, we're talking the last days. And within uh, that subject, uh, Vanessa and I were chatting this morning, um, you know, getting ready. And uh, I asked her, uh, what do you think are the three main thoughts that people have when considering uh, the last days. And so she and I are discussing this. And, and one of those uh, is, one of those is confusion, right? Uh, the last days and confusion. How many of you would just agree? Like just, yeah, okay. Confusion. Uh, another one of those is fear, right? How many of you agree with that? Like there's some stuff and you're like, whoa, like this is scary. Uh, how strong is Jesus? He's real strong, right? He's got us. We'll see that today. And the third one is confidence, Okay, and so, so it's confusion, fear, and confidence. And what I think happens for most of us as Christians is there's some sort of like moving around. It's like the ball under the three cups thing, and you're like, which one am I right now? I don't know where it is, right? It's this moving cycle of uh, I'm kind of confused, or I'm afraid, or I'm confident. Confused, afraid, confident. And what we want to happen is it's more like confused, afraid, confident, right? <laughs> confused, afraid, confident, right? So today, if it's more like confused or, wait, that, that'd be more like the afraid to be like confused or afraid or then con- we want it. And it's like confident. We want it to be, say it with me, confident, right? Because that by all means, Jesus is explaining the last days. He's explaining the end times to us, but his goal wouldn't be to be confused, right? And his goal wouldn't be to be afraid. He wants us to be full of faith, and he wants us to be confident in him. So that's our goal today, all right, is confidence in him and who he is and what he's telling us so we're equipped and ready to go. And in uh, Matthew 24, 15 through 28, we get more intel about the last days. This big word tribulations used, this big title abomination of desolation is used. So buckle up for that. And then he gives us more equipping, more hope. Okay, y'all ready? All right, so big idea today is we will face tribulation, but that's not the end of the big idea, amen, right? We will face tribulation, but take heart in Jesus who does what? Delivers us. He delivers us. We will face tribulation, but take heart in Jesus who delivers us. So what we wanna do today as we go through these verses together is track through this passage by four things that Jesus is doing or will do toward our confidence in Jesus. We want to replace the confusion. We want to replace the fear with confidence in Jesus. So the first thing is Jesus warns us from verses 15 through 20. He warns us, and this is important. Things are coming. Things are going to happen. So he's telling us about that, and what a wonderful God who informs us about what's to come. So here's 15 through 20. Follow along as I read it. Jesus says to the disciples, he says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee 
to the mountains. Let the one who is on the rooftop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. So someone's coming that's going to be really intense and wreak a lot of havoc and really suddenly, and Jesus is warning everyone, get out of Dodge when that happens. So who is this abomination of desolation? And we know it must be real bad if Jesus is telling everyone to flee the city and not even grab your, grab your jacket, right? So he says the prophet Daniel spoke about it. So when we read the scriptures, when we're disciples of Jesus and we're reading God's word, which we want everybody to be doing, this is God's voice written down to us. Let's read it. Let's understand it. Jesus gives us major help here. He says, this abomination of desolation was spoken of by the prophet Daniel. So slides going on the screen, some verses about the abomination of desolation. And I'll just read you some of them. The goal of this is Honor Jesus, he's saying this is prophesied in Daniel. Jesus is giving us more intelligence about that. So pick up here, as Jesus is talking, pick up the words and this title, Abomination of Desolation. From 8.13, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate? and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot. So the sanctuary, the temple is going to be sieged. The burnt offering is going to be desecrated. So this is coming, and Jesus is pulling this language. Okay, so next is 927. So chapter 9, verse 27 of Daniel, it says, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, for and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator right i told you there's some big words in this uh, sermon and and there are there are big words in the scriptures we can handle them jesus disciples us amen uh, next is 11.31. 11.31, I know it's on the screen. I feel like I'm going slower than you're reading. Here we go, 11.31. It says, Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. So pretty obvious Jesus is pulling from Daniel. He said he was. And then we look back at it. We're like, oh, there's the term. There's this term, this person, abomination of desolation. So who is it? And why is he called the abomination of desolation? So here's the who. The abomination of desolation is a king who invades Jerusalem and kills its people having no mercy. And here's the why. The why is he enters, the why he's called the abomination of desolation. He enters the temple, he desecrates the temple with pagan worship, making himself God, lowercase g, making himself God. So in history, this has happened on several occasions to the people of Jerusalem, but the one Jesus is referring to would occur about 40 years after he's describing this in this moment with the disciples in AD 70, and that would have been during the disciples' lifetime for the majority of them. So what happened was the Roman army invaded and killed, brutally killed, 1.1 million people in Jerusalem. 
And during that invasion, they destroyed the temple. And then after the temple was destroyed, after the people were killed, they made sacrifices to false gods and then declared Titus emperor and as the supreme god. So imagine this. This is the building that is unshakable. As these disciples were looking at it, we saw it last week in the passage we were studying then. This building's unshakable, enormous stones. Who could ever move that? And then this place is unshakable. God is worshiped here. But Jesus is saying, it's going to shake, but he won't. And now he's giving more information. The abomination of desolation is coming. This is future intelligence for you. You know, and when he comes, this is instruction for you to get out of Dodge really quick. Jesus is warning them in order to preserve as many as possible. So in Matthew 24, as we study Matthew 24, there's a lot of things happening. Some of it's future, some of it's present, some of it's past. All of it is equipping us. So there's two things, kind of spans of time and there's moments, okay? So one is spans of time that we see when we're thinking about end times, end times, and then there's moments, all right? So the signs of the times is span, right? So when you're, you're studying end times things, when you're thinking about that, there's span things that are occurring. Those things would be like earthquakes, famine, wars. So in that sense, we are in the last days because those things are occurring. We talked about last week, those are signs. What do signs do? They point us towards something more important, something more steady, better yet, someone who is more steady, and that is Jesus. So everything's shaking. The things that we think are strongest, like the earth quakes, the temple gets destroyed. All of that is shaking. And who is still our steady rock? It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. He is still our steady rock. That's the, what the signs are pointing to. Jesus is steady. Nothing else is. Jesus is steady. And then there's moments. And we have one moment here. The temple is destroyed. The abomination of desolation comes. And then another moment that Jesus is going to talk about at the end of this passage and, and a lot of next week's passage is that Jesus returns. Y'all, that moment is going to be awesome, right? Jesus returns. And what we learn from those moments is that Jesus is still king. Jesus is still king. But in that moment in AD 70, it didn't look like it. They weren't feeling that he was. They're like, wait a second, Jesus, when you came the first time, we thought you were going to take the throne and like set up your theocracy here on the earth and everything was going to be made right. But instead you took on a cross and you died and then you rose and we were like, oh, that kind of king, right? like cross before crown, sort of king. And so Jesus is an eternal king. And there's kings that come and go here and they do terrible, desolate, abominable things. And Jesus warns us about those and he's equipping us for those, but he's not saying they're not gonna happen. He's saying they are gonna happen. And when they do, remember who your steady rock is. And it's Jesus. So he's equipping them. He's helping them understand what's gonna happen. This by all means would have served them as as they got out of Dodge when it was happening. So Jesus' warning protected the disciples then. How does it protect us disciples today? Like in a phrase, when we're thinking about this, we realize Jesus is still king. We realize Jesus is our steady rock. And we realize that we gotta protect our temple by continuing to worship Jesus. Continuing to worship Jesus. All right, so first of those four things that Jesus is describing that he is doing or will do toward our confidence in him, right? Confidence, not fear, not confusion. The first thing is Jesus warns us. The second thing is Jesus limits tribulation. And for me, as I think about these next few verses, 21 and 22, it's so helpful. 
Because we just read this phrase, abomination of desolation. And I got to be honest with you, as a preaching pastor, when I have to deliver the phrase abomination of desolation, I'm like, this is going to be a tough moment for concentration within the church family. Because it's not as easy to talk about the abomination of desolation as like grace, right? You with me on that, right? So, so here we are. And then immediately right after this, we see that Jesus limits tribulation. And we're like, and that's us. Today in 2023, imagine what the disciples would have felt when he's delivering these that Jesus warns us. And then next we see he limits tribulation. And I imagine them being like, thank you. And then all of us today are like, thank you. So look at verses 21, 22. It says, for then there will be great tribulation. Such as it has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been, check this out, cut short, no human being would be, would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So he's limiting tribulation. Why? So that more can be saved. So that the forces of evil are held back. Yes, Jesus does that. Yes, he is doing that today. He limits tribulation. So here Jesus is talking about the elect. He loves the elect. Who are the elect? It's those who are foreknown and predestined to be saved. That's Ephesians 1.13. In a word, the elect are Christians, those who are saved, who have placed their faith in Jesus for the salvation um, for, uh, for before God and for the forgiveness of their sins. So here we see that Jesus allows tribulation, but only for a time. Jesus allows tribulation, but only for a time. And y'all, when we understand that Jesus allows tribulation, but only for a time, it helps us face life a bit more realistically, doesn't it? Hard things happen, hard things are coming, and we're like, tribulation, difficulty, but it's limited. Jesus is in control, and we see that, right? Like, the older I get, the more I'm like, there's always something right? There's always something that's hard. There's always something that's difficult that we're facing. And then there's always something that's way worse than what I'm facing. So in the midst of all of that, I think of John 16, 33. And Jesus says, this is such a great line. It's at the end of the upper room discourse. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. That's the confusion part. That's the fear part. Let not your hearts be troubled. In this world, you will experience tribulation, but take heart I have overcome the world. Take heart there means take courage. And what does it mean to take courage? It means that you're taking it from someone or something. And Jesus is saying, take it from him. Take courage. He has overcome what? The world. And you're like, man, these are really hard things happening. If, if Jesus can overcome the world and if he can get us to eternity outside of the things, the bad things that are happening in time, then, then we can trust him and our hearts can be calmer and we can be more confident in what is happening as the bad things happen. Amazing things we realize about Jesus here is that he knows our limits, and so he limits tribulation that we face. This means that the what could have been is always worse than what is. And I don't say that as some trite coping perspective technique. I say that as this is assurance for us. Jesus is limiting tribulation for us. He's holding it back. So there's evil forces, there's good forces, Jesus is atop the good, Satan is atop the bad, and he's holding back Satan. Satan is defeated at the cross, he will be finally defeated, and he's saying he's, Jesus is holding back tribulation for the sake of the elect. We think about that and how Jesus just keeps doing things for us, and it's amazing. 
We realize how strong of a king he is. We realize how amazing of a Lord he is. We realize that his, his saviorness for us continues on. He's saving us from things today. Today. Realized, occurring, presently. And we think the greatest mercy in all of this is, is what already exists. We think about the end times. We're like future things, last days, future things, present things, past things, but like ongoing timeline. And then we're like what already exists And we realize forgiveness exists already. Salvation exists already for those of us who are in Christ. Being in the kingdom with King Jesus as king that already exists for us. So Jesus is saying, you have shelter from him. You have protection from him. And we can place our confidence in him. We think about how we're no longer wandering sheep. We have a shepherd now. We're no longer unknown. We're known. We're no longer unloved. We're Loved. We're no longer without mercy. We've been given mercy. We no longer have bad lowercase lords. We have the Lord, uppercase Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's saying he limits tribulation. So as we read this whole passage, we're thinking this is, this is hard. This is big. Things are shaking. Things are crumbling. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. I'm still with you. Jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin, eternal death, and he limits tribulation. Jesus uh, is saying to us, we are forgiven, we have eternal salvation, and he limits tribulation. What a Savior and Lord we have. What a Savior and Lord we have. So with this relief, he gives even more, right? We've gone from abomination of desolation to this big word, tribulation, and then there's even more relief. So look at verses 23 through 26. It says, it's that Jesus equips us. Jesus equips us. So we know things are coming. He's giving us intelligence, and he's not just like, hey, tribulation's coming. Deal with it, right? He's saying tribulation's coming, and here are the ways it's gonna come, and here's how to be prepared, and here's how to hold fast in me as it comes. He's training the disciples then and us disciples. Now he equips us. So verses 23 through 24 or 26 say, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And I love that he says, if possible. (laughs) See, I have told you beforehand, So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say to you, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. So he's equipping us. He's equipping us here that false Christs are gonna rise up, false gospels are gonna rise up. He's saying here that even false signs and wonders are gonna be occurring and the purpose of those signs and wonders is not to point you to Jesus, but to lead you astray from Jesus. And we know that signs and wonders that Jesus performs that are godly signs and wonders point us to whom? To Jesus. And he's saying there's going to be things that are occurring that are going to do everything they can to try to point you away from me. Instead, keep looking to me. This equipping sounds really familiar to the first part of the chapter that we looked at last week. Jesus gave us two things to do as we face the end times. He said, know the real Jesus, lest we be led astray to worship false gods. The other thing was know the signs of the end and may they point us to worship the steady rock And then the way for us to keep living, like what is the culture uh, by by which we keep living, in which we keep living as Christians? It's loving God, loving one another, and loving others. 
when all temptation is gonna try to pull us away from that culture that he's given us, he's saying, keep loving God, keep loving one another, keep loving others. Practice today makes perseverance tomorrow. So we feel the repeat here. And when you see repeat in the scriptures, we recognize, and and especially with the proximity of the repeat, we realize this is really important. So then what, what is new? What is new in the repeat? What is different in the repeat? I wanna give you, three things that Jesus is, is layering on top of the instruction he's already given us in verses one through 14 of this chapter. Three, three things, all right? Number one is don't lift your eyes to abominations. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't lift your eyes to abominations. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, right? The, the tendency is look at the bad news, see all the difficult things that are happening, be, look in shock and awe, and then you just, you just, you just, Keep the channel there. You can't, you can't walk away. You're just looking at it. And, and he's saying, in those moments, look to Jesus. And the difficult things that you're facing, be real about it. Understand it. But don't just keep staring it down. Lift your eyes to Jesus. The second thing he is sharing is don't let exit signs lead you down a desolate road away from Jesus. The reason I use the phrase exit signs there is because there are signs and wonders that are going to be performed. And those signs and wonders, the point of them is to point you away from Jesus. So those are exit signs, exit signs leading you away from him. The way we know things are from the Lord is when they point us to him, when they encourage us in him. So don't let exit signs lead you down a desolate road away from Jesus. And then third, don't go searching for a Christ figure. You already know the Christ right? Don't go searching for a Christ figure. You already know the Christ. But Jesus is saying in those days, it is going to be so popular to sideline Jesus and to pick up other Christs that feel similar enough so that we're confused, but he's not the real Jesus. And he's saying, stay focused on him. You already know the real him, know him better and better so that you can recognize the counterfeits. Don't go searching for a Christ figure. You already know the Christ. And I imagine as Jesus is saying these things. I mean, think, he's, the disciples are around him as he's saying that there's gonna be a time when people are like, look, there's the Christ over there. And, and the real Christ, they know, is standing in front of them. And they know who he is. They know his voice. They've seen his face. And as we read this today, we're thinking, we know who the real Christ is. Let's not be duped by all the temptation that comes, all, all people leaving the faith, people following whatever it is in this world that's, that's gonna be some whatever next year. And like, don't follow those exit signs. Stay with the Lord, all right? So Jesus equipped us during his first coming. And then, I love this, at the very end of this passage, these last two verses, he gives us hope of his second coming, Right? We're, we're in a chapter that's about the end, like the, the rest of Matthew. It's the end of his first coming. And then he's starting to talk about the second coming. So here's point four. Jesus is coming soon. And talk about relief that he limits tribulation. And then the relief that he equips us. It's so helpful. And then he is coming soon. And this is exciting. This is when like he is gonna win right? He's coming soon. Verses 27 and 28 say this, for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the son of man. And then a really harrowing verse 28, whenever the corpse, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. That 
reckoning moment of judgment where the saved are saved and the lost are not. Where those who have repented and believed and placed their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins are caught up in the air with Jesus who's coming back. We'll look at that next week. And those who have not been forgiven their sins are remaining and judged. Jesus leans into this more in the next paragraph that we'll look at and then the rest of the chapter as we go next week. But for now, as we just look at these two verses here, we recognize that Jesus' coming is still future. And when he comes, it's gonna happen in a flash. All right, so, so three things here. Jesus will come in a flash, not in slow motion. Jesus is gonna come in a flash, not in slow motion. So that means get right and be right with the Lord today. When he comes back, it's not gonna be like, I think that's him, so now it's time. And like, you know, you bow and repent and believe. He's coming in a flash. So the intent here is where are you with the Lord right now? Do you love him? Do you trust him? When you sin, are you like, I'm gonna do better, so, so you're the savior? Or are you like, he's performed for me on the cross and my penalty is paid and then he rose from the dead, he's given me new life. Lord, forgive me my sins and let me live in that new life, right? He's coming in a flash, so, so are you ready? And then, next is Jesus will rescue us from the worst of the tribulation. Verse 27 is all about he's coming back. Like tribulation gets bad. Things are going on. Everybody's leaving the faith. And Jesus, Jesus is like, boom, he's here. Like lightning, he's here. And he's gonna rescue us from the worst of the tribulation. And then third, Jesus will not allow us as believers to be among the corpses on the day of the Lord. That's awesome. So we're like afraid. We're like, what's coming? Verse 28, verse 27, Jesus is coming. He rescues us from the worst of the tribulation. He rescues us. He rescues us. So the big idea today is we will face tribulation, but take heart in Jesus who delivers us. Take heart in Jesus who delivers us. Yesterday morning, I was doing some I was doing some chores, some, you know, washing the dishes. And so I'm like, I'm going to set up my phone right here behind the, behind the sink. And I'm going to, I'm going to YouTube uh, a worship song. And I, so I just put in like usually one of my favorite bands. And then I try to put in some sort of thing that would give me like their newest thing, right? So I love Shane and Shane. Y'all probably know that. Uh, many of you have been here. So those guys, those guys are my buddies. Um, and so uh, I type in Shane and Shane live and, and behold, there's this new song. I said, behold, ridiculous. Right? <laughs> there's this new song. And so I'm like, oh man. And so that, that song is called You've Already Won. So, so I've got my phone like Bluetoothing to this bigger speaker. It's, it's like totally jamming, right? And I'm, I'm doing dishes and worshiping. And the name of the song is You've Already Won. You've Already Won. So all the things that you're facing, that I'm facing, he's already won. All the things that we're afraid of when we think about the end times and abomination of desolation and the earth shaking and, and the temptation to run from Jesus when I, I feel like I'm strong in Jesus, but this is honest. Like I'm gonna be tempted to run from Jesus. And I think he's already won. He's already won. So, so here are some lyrics. It starts, there's peace that outlasts darkness. There's hope that's in the blood. 
There's future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need, you will provide just like you always have. And then there's lots more great lyrics. I'm gonna skip those. Like just go listen to the song on your own, right? Um, But here's how the song ends. And the chorus is this, I'm, I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. And then this live concert that I'm watching, there's thousands and thousands of people in this Coliseum and they're just singing this refrain over and over and the refrain goes like this. I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You're my savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. I know how this story ends. So when you take all that hope in who Jesus is and what he has handled, and then you just kind of like, that's so big that our, our fears and our confusion and the things that we're facing just kind of get absorbed in a, in, a, in a way where he's not like discounting those things. He's just saying, I, I got you. And, and every day we need that worship. And as the days get darker, when the days are darker, we're gonna need that hope. And so Jesus is equipping us for that. In Matthew 24, he's equipping us. He's saying, I've already won. So is your faith in him Are both of your feet on him? Are you building your life on him? If he's just an acquaintance for you, he's saying he's gotta be your rock. Things are gonna shake you away from acquaintance with Jesus. He's gotta be your Lord. He's gotta be your king. He's gotta be your savior. You gotta be forgiven. He's coming in a flash. So are you right with Jesus? Are you forgiven? Are you set on him and increasingly holding fast to him? Like your grip strength gets better every day that you read his word, every day that you pray, every time you come and worship, you love him. You're confident in him. Confidence rising, fear, confusion, lowering. So as we close, I wanna give you three reflection points just for you to pray. Some of you may be here and you don't know Jesus as Savior, and I pray that today would be the day. Place your faith in him. He's paid the penalty for your sin. He alone can save you from the wrath, honestly, you deserve because of sin. He forgives that. Place your faith in him. He is your cover. He is your means of forgiveness. So you can move from sin to forgiveness. Next is from fear to faith. Maybe you're just afraid. Maybe you're afraid of end times. Maybe you're afraid of what all this means. Maybe you're afraid of what tomorrow faces, what tomorrow has. And I pray that you would move from fear to faith, knowing Jesus has you. He's got you. Fear to faith. And then the third one is from wandering to mission. Like when I, when I read this passage, I'm like, man, more people got to know about Jesus. Lightning's coming light, in a flash. More people got to know about Jesus. And so we're not just like, oh, life. You know, it's like mission. From wandering to mission. Not just wandering to coming to church but wandering to community of faith and mission about the faith to the lost and dying world who needs this hope that we have, all right?
So three options or do all three as you reflect. Sin to forgiveness, fear to faith, wandering to mission. Let's pray. Just I'll give you some time and then I'll close us in a minute.